Hey Well fans, Matt Reiner, That's Rich has moved to its own channel. Be sure to go check out That's Rich and subscribe today to keep up to date with all the new That's Rich podcasts. 42 to 7, 42 to 7, 83 to 7 against two of our biggest rivals. This weekend was everything that I wanted it to be and more, especially when you go down and stomp those jorts out of Jacksonville. Bulldogs win. Bulldogs romp. Ranked number two now in the country. And you know what? That is so, so freaking rich. You're listening to That's Rich. Welcome to another episode of That's Rich, where we help you get rich. Rich in knowledge, rich in happiness, rich in laughs, and just maybe a nugget or two actually makes you money rich. Here, as always, with the That's Rich crew, Evan Shoda, CEO, co-founder of Pinnacle Shows, and Morgan Meyer, assistant product manager over at Wella. And we got a lot to talk about, especially that opening. I mean, there's nothing better than Georgia going down there and not even just like beating the Gators, but actually just like stomping them out after the first six minutes. After the first six minutes of the game, I knew it was over. I mean, 21 nothing in like seven minutes. I heard there were a lot of Florida fans leaving awfully early. Yeah, it, it, uh, there were some pictures taken of the sunset over the side of Jacksonville of the stadium where the Gators sit, the 50-50 split. There was nobody there. It was a beautiful sunset because you saw no blue or orange, and you just saw the orange of the sun. It was great. You and I were talking Saturday. You had to know that was going to happen, right? I mean, I was always nervous. I mean, I'm always nervous. Georgia always finds a way to lay an egg. Uh, but I think we—I mean, I'm a believer now. I'm, I'm a whole heart believer here now as we head into November when it's going to be really, really tough for us. Um, I'm a believer, though. This is a different mentality team, I think. I think Morgan had a great weekend, too. Oh, I had the best. Her weekend. Buckeyes came That's out on right. top. Yep. Yeah, that was a nail-biter. Fun to watch. Oh, one of my top five. Top five games. games. Sure. Wait, yeah. Now, when you watch, where do you, do you watch, are you, like, I watch the Georgia game by myself because oh, I like see, the, yeah. do you, you watch the games? In the confinement of my home. In the confinement. I couldn't be in public yeah. watching these Why well, Do you think you would embarrass yourself like oh, when things sure. happen? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's, like, the one thing that you would do that's, like, really embarrassing? Well, I sit on the floor to start. Like, I, I have to sit on the floor <laughs> in a ball, basically, so I can cover my eyes and hide under things. The fetal position. Oh. Yes, exactly. The, so you look like you you're sick. The whole, the whole game? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, I sit on the floor. That's, it big, was, that's dedication. It was such a stressful game. Yeah. But, um, it's called perspective. Check it out. I mean, yeah. I, I was watching that game, and I was, like, I was like, Penn State is going to romp them. I mean, I was watching yeah. both of those games, and it was like all of a sudden, you know, Saquon Barkley runs it back, and then you have, you know, they're up like 16 nothing or whatever it was. Or so from the start, whatever. you're like, well, there's nothing to watch at 3.30. Yeah, yeah this right. is like, this is going to be a boring, right. this is boring 3.30. But then you have Iowa State. Talk about a team over there. Iowa yeah. State. Knocking off TCU. But wow. they're stringing it together. This is like four in a row, some big wins here. Sad. I, I feel bad for the for Ames, Iowa State uh, team, because they're going to lose their coach after this year. He's going to go somewhere to a bigger school because he's proven that he can turn a program around. That's sad. I feel bad like being that like feeder school for for talent. It's right. like, all right, yeah, come in here, turn sure. us around, and then jolt. That yeah. is an ideal feeder school, too. You're right. It's like they're big enough to knock off some big teams because they play that schedule, you know, but nobody wants to stay there. Sure. Yeah. Justin, how do you, how'd your, how'd your uh, Tennessee Volunteers do? <laughs> Sorry, is that wrong? Was that wrong? I mean, Kentucky, the Bluegrass State, you know, they never know. They How is Butch still there? <laughs> How is he still there? They file Mac fire McElwain before they fire Butch Jones. I mean, that's unbelievable to me. Justin, they've got to get a new coach. They need to do it now. Well, I mean, what's going to – I mean, you guys are killing yourself in recruiting. You're killing yourself. Well, but the McElwain situation is a mess as well. I mean, that thing is just – Why? I mean, it's just – well, first off – 
Are they? Are they? Fi- they're firing him because the administration hates that he brought that into them and m- making it look like Florida and their fan base are bad people. Yeah, it was that definitely was the biggest more thing. than wins and losses, which they admitted to. Yeah, finally. I mean, he's. I mean, talk about like talking about eating your own words. You're like, he walks away from the podium that Monday afternoon. He's like, shit, shit. I really, I don't have any evidence of this. I was just trying to get some people riled up, and now <laughs> I got myself a job gone. Um, anyhow, what about let's talk one more thing we have to talk about in sports because I, I made a comment in an earlier podcast how I wasn't going to watch baseball, wasn't going to watch the playoffs. I don't really care about it. I sat and watched the final few innings of the World Series Saturday night. I watched Friday night, uh, and then I felt like I watched it because I watched it on Sports Center this morning. This World Series is remarkable. Baseball's back is remarkable. Yeah, if every game of the season was like that, I would watch it all the time. Yeah, well, for sure. I think the first ingredient, though, is that there's young and interesting players on the field. People want to see those guys. Yeah, I agree. On both teams. I think that's the first key yeah, to the I whole agree. Thing. I'm not a baseball person, but this series has been great. Right. Amazing. All, I mean, all the pitchers are throwing absolute fuzz out there. And hitters are just cranking them 30 rows deep. I mean, that's what you have when you have a short porch there in left field at Houston at Minute Maid Park. I mean, that thing is like a short – like that one uh, Carrera, Carlos Carrera hit that one ball, which, by the way, his celebration after he hit that home run when he was getting to first base, like that is the joy of baseball. Why don't people do that more? He was like a little kid just like mm-hmm. jumping around. Point. I mean, that was amazing. Uh, but that's that's a short porch over there. And then uh, what was I going to say on the other side of it? But. It is, it is truly amazing uh, what's going on there. Kershaw, I mean, Verlander's going tomorrow night. It, Houston Houston needs this. I am rooting for Houston. Houston needs it, and you need it. I need it. I need, need it bad. It. I'd like to just cap off our sports conversation for today. Last week, you weren't here. I wasn't. I took the red eye home. Wasn't feeling great. I tried to gut out this podcast. I likened it to the Jordan flu game. I'd like to rephrase that. I think it was just the flu game for me because I listened to it and it was shitty. Yeah, it was tough shitty, to watch. Shitty, shitty, shitty. If Hasem and Morgan weren't there, it would have been probably one of the worst podcasts ever in the yeah, history we should, of podcasts. Right. We should have just been like, oh, we forgot to record that one and just <laughs> yeah. kept it moving. It should have been our, another lost episode. It's sad that our lost episode was actually one of our best the, episodes I, see, and then that one made it. That one made it that it happened last after week. After our fan base gets big enough and we're dead, we should release the lost episodes and then our kids can rake in all the millions because you know people are going to want to listen to that. For I, sure. I agree. I anyway, agree. I just like to apologize. Last week was horseshit. I agree. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. Right. Finally, their fan base. The last thing I want to say is congratulations to Morgan and her Columbus crew. That game against United soccer. Uh, soccer is close to my heart nowadays. That was an awesome game, but we should have we shouldn't have lost that game. But Columbus, that 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 goalie, by the way. Did you watch that game? I, you I tuned soccer. in. I don't, but I tuned in because I saw all the notes about it on Twitter. It was crazy. He it was, was crazy game. remarkable. That goalie was like spot on. I don't even know soccer, and I thought he was really good. Like if we can, I, if we can I, tell. I, I mean, it was amazing. It was anyway. a great save the crew moment. The crew's trying to leave Columbus. There's a lot, a lot of fans behind them now. It was a good moment. There's a lot of crew signs at game day on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it was crew. a lot. So good for them. All right. Enough sports talk. Let's get into some of the meat. Uh, Morgan, you want to take it down? Take take us to the rundown. All right. We're going to start with some financial news this morning, starting off strong with some hometown news. Atlanta is currently an early favorite to land Amazon's second headquarters with two-to-one odds. Finally. Finally. Finally, some good reporting. Business Insider, you slap dicks. Get out of here. <laughs> Terrible. Finally, some good reporting by Fortune. I mean, this is... Uh, I mean, it's still early. They just closed off bidding a couple weeks ago, but it's good to see that Atlanta's leading the race of the um, 
of of the bidding for this. But we all know, as Atlanta sports fans at least, that you can't count your chickens before they hatch. And this thing, if it's anything like Atlanta sports, it's going to fall through. So I'm not <laughs> going to get too excited, but I'm finally happy that people are listening to what we're saying on the podcast. And Jeff Bezos is finally really realizing that the that's rich commentary is what's really rich and helps him make decisions. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I'll take this way more serious than I ever took any of the Business Insider rankings because this was done by a a website called Patty Power. It's a gambling website. When you're talking about money, people don't mess around. So if you really want to know where the truth is, follow the money. I'll take this way more serious than I will Business Insider. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I think that, you know, there was a, uh, when I was in Vegas, I saw this video come across my feed of the Chamber of Commerce. They did a video of of Atlanta delivering the bid to Amazon out in, uh, in Silicon Valley or wherever they are. And it was actually a really awesome video. They did a great job of showing it and showing everything and highlighting everything cool about Atlanta from Delta to Georgia Tech to you know the growing technology scene. It was really, really cool. And I, I've been talking to more and more people because people continue to talk to me about my, my hard stance on saying that I want Amazon here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really interesting because there's a lot of people that are like, oh, it's gonna make housing prices so high. It's gonna push up. It's gonna be hard to hire because wages are gonna be inflated because of Amazon and then home prices or and then traffic and and all this stuff. Like the 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 root of it is is when you have a company that's as innovative as Amazon in your backyard calling your city home. There's just a an aura there that people are gonna focus on you a lot more and then you're gonna just learn so much from them because everybody's gonna be talking about the innovative stuff and. Every company is going to stand to benefit from that. So I'm willing to take the other downside. And a lot of people are saying, well, it's going to hurt getting new companies here because, you know, whatever city ultimately gets Amazon, you're going to have to give up a lot from incentives and everything of that nature. I say screw it. Like Amazon, having Amazon in our backyard, then we have Delta, Home Depot, Coca-Cola. I mean, we're a freaking powerhouse, and now we're a technology powerhouse. So you're pushing all your chips in there. I love it. And, And I could eat my own words in like 10 years when I try to buy a new house or something, and it's like, ridiculously priced but I'll do the, I'll deal with that in the future it's like let's live in the moment that's one of the lessons I'm going to learn here later on live in the moment you're going to learn us a lesson learn like us it. a lesson alright what else we got Morgan well after that great plug um, for Business Insider <laughs> oh wait we got another oh, like, we're, we're still, oh, we're still like they're listening like they're listening <laughs> I'm not afraid all right, the last economic crisis isn't far behind us but Americans are already showing signs of maxing out their debt all right, so Americans are saddled with debt similar to 10 years ago, right? Basically, the personal debt problem is still there, but the wealthy are getting wealthier. So the overall picture seems to kind of even itself out where if you look at it as a whole, it doesn't look so bad. This is this is my thing about this. God, this drives me absolutely insane. We need to do a better job of educating young people what debt looks like five or 10 years after you sign those papers. I, if I could teach, like, I'm going to hammer this home so hard with my daughter you need to look at what debt looks like when you're in the thick of it, when you're trying to make those payments, when you're repaying that money, because it could alter your life. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, the, the challenge, though, is is that the traditional way of educating people about finances doesn't work, right? We, we try, we've tried to do so much. We've provided more applications. We've provided more of this and that. And we're still finding ourselves in worse and worse financial shape. And so whatever we're doing isn't working. And we have to rethink through the conversation about how to present it to people. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's more of like we're in an instant gratification, uh, ease of access of information society now. And so we have to do something different when it comes to debt. But I think that what this also shows is something called like the wealth effect, right? The wealth effect is that people are feeling wealthier than they ever have. So they're taking more risks and they're spending more money, 
even whether or not they have it or not, right? Whether they have it, the money or not, they're spending money because they feel rich because of what's going on in the world and what they see in the news and what's going on with the stock market. They just, that's called the wealth effect. It's an actual real theory in, in economics. And, and so what you're seeing is that the people that are wealthy are doing it, but they take on debt and it's not as impactful because they have a larger base of net worth to deal with. But then you go down to the lower percentiles of wealth and they're taking on debt, but they take on just a little bit. It has such a bigger impact on them. And I think it gets back to the whole problem of saying, you know, living within your means, right? Just because you feel wealthy, if you don't have the money to buy it, it's not the time to go take and go out and take on debt to go buy something that you can't necessarily afford. And I think that that's what's happening as opposed to saying blaming the, I mean, it's not really blaming the wealthy, but it's, it's just that we're in this society where this is what happens in bubbles. And this is why you cause you know, cycles within the economic uh, world is that people become wealth effects. It starts blowing up people's minds and they start spending more money and then shit happens and it goes down. It's just a cycle. It's, the wealth it's the effect thing. is insatiable though. Like the more you feed that monster, the bigger it gets. Nothing nothing feels as good as like living with that margin. Having that margin there is really where the key to happiness is. Yeah, 100%. But like everybody always wants more and everybody thinks that uh, having more, like more things and more money is gonna solve all these problems. It really just, it, it just creates more issues and it, and it doesn't solve the true root of the problem, which is really happiness, which is internal, and money is not that. I was going to ask Matt, but I'm sure he doesn't know. I said I was going to say, this reminds me of a song, Matt. Do you know what song I'm talking about? More money, more problems. Whoa, there he is. <laughs> Thank He's you. back. Good Thank to have you, you back, Thank buddy. Thank you. I mean, Morgan, what do you, I mean, we've, we've been talking a lot about behavioral economics. I know I'm putting you on the spot, and, and but I mean, how do you see this in, from your view, from the standpoint of like the wealth effect and what we've learned from behavioral economics, talking with Shy and everything of that nature? I mean, do you see something different happening? Like, why is this happening with the lower percentiles of people um, just continuing to build up debt from that standpoint? And how do you help change that conversation? It's definitely a hard one to change, and that's something we've been talking a lot about at Wella. But um, I think you touched on it a little bit with the availability heuristic, kind of. I mean, you look at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. People can be approved for loans through technology now within minutes. It's so available and ready to them. I think you see people opening credit cards a lot more frequently, building up debt more frequently because it's so much easier than it used to be. And I think that's part of the problem. I agree 100%. I think that, that the availability of it and the ease of it and is, is, a, is, a big, is a big issue. Okay, but hear me out. Without Rocket Mortgage and Quicken Loans, the Cavs don't have that money to pay LeBron to get him back from Miami, and we get to watch great NBA finals. Hey, so I'm, I'm a Cavs fan. So I see. I'm I think there's you. a little benefit on both sides there. So I'm a Rocket Mortgage guy. Give and take. <laughs> I'm not a basketball guy, even though it looks like the Cavs and the Warriors are having some struggles early on this year, aren't they? Struggles. Struggles. Losing to the Nets. I heard. I heard well, they lost to the Nets. We picked a Knicks. great time to talk about Ooh. the NBA. Hasem's not here. Yeah. <laughs> and Lonzo Ball got benched. Um, Hasem would love to talk about that. Lonzo Ball getting benched. Uh, <laughs> All right. What? Uh, let's let's move into the first recurring segment. The more you know, mm-hmm, um, and I'll say it just as a lesson that I learned from listening. And I know you were you had the flu last week, so I, I'm not going to harp on it too much. But you got to give it a break, right? When we edit these things and we get the music in there, you just started talking so fast that the podcast it made, had the it flu. Made, it made, I didn't. It the made podcast. Marissa's job much more difficult. You got to make it easy on your team behind the scenes. You can't win them all. What episode is this? This 14? is 14. All right. So we're 12 and 2. Alright, what is the more you know? What do you know? Alright guys, the more you know. Uh, this weekend Daylight Savings ends. Ends? Your turn. 
That's it. Yeah, that was a good one. People are gonna forget that. What time? Saturday night. God forbid you're late to Sunday. church and you go straight Sunday. to hell. It's Sunday. Sun- Saturday night. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Two a.m. Yes, between Saturday and Sunday. Two a.m. Two. Why, why? Why not midnight? What's going on? So do the bars close earlier then on Saturday, or do oh, they stay boy. open an hour? Later? Oh boy. Stay open. Oh, they stay open. <laughs> Oof. Thank goodness. Oh, humble brag. Everybody, Justin goes out. Cool man. <laughs> Justin goes to the bar. Awesome. Well, I was just hoping because I, I thought tomorrow, uh, this weekend was going to be my my weekend to go, my one weekend of the year to go. Uh, anyhow, all right. For the more you know, for the more you know, for Amayan. So I was in Vegas last week. That's why I wasn't able to be here. Uh, did you know that the Mirage hotels, the windows actually open? Is that not scary? Like, talk about what they open. Really? I thought that was illegal. I did too. So I first off, they put me in. Well, let's just talk for a second on this this trip. They first put me in the second floor. Nothing wrong with the second floor. I was fine with it until I opened my window or my blinds, and I was like right there where everybody could walk around. And there's like all this like shit out on this on the um, on the rooftop. And I was like, people are gonna get drunk and come over and like knock on my window. And I was like, I don't want this. So I moved up to the 19th floor, paid thirty dollars. I, I had to splurge a little bit, hit my daily spend limit. Moved up to the 19th floor because the windows opened on the second floor, and I was like, that's weird. But like, they don't just... on the 19th, right? So I went up to the 19th floor, open, and it's unlatched already on the 19th floor. And so I was like, okay, I will push this down, and we're good from the 19th floor. That's weird. Is that not like. That's crazy. I mean, I don't know how much they opened because I didn't try it. I thought that like I was going to get like the alarm was going to go off, but they opened. So, anyhow, the more you know, be careful when you go to the Mirage. Just do not open the windows, please. No clue. All right, let's move back to the rundown. All right, Morgan. next up is our tech segment. Some big news for investors in the tech world. Twitter admits to overstating their user numbers going back to 2014, but they also reveal some potential good news for investors. Twitter's did, dead to me. Did Twitter just tattle on itself? Twitter is so dead to me. I mean, when is it just going to shut down? Just be done with. You can do the whole world a lot better. You'd keep the president from making stupid comments. you oh, keep yeah. from all these Twitter little fights. But... Twitter, what? who the hell the, cares? The media cares because they would have nothing to report on if Twitter wasn't around. I know. They report on everything on Twitter. Twitter is, it's the, I mean, it's the worst. It's okay, so, so bad. Hold on. Twitter has some, some good purposes. If you're reading it during live sporting events, it's awesome. I love it during live sports. All right. I bet you uh, Facebook could build that in like a day. All right. Well, let's, let's just give it to Facebook. They Why? can build a feed and then that's it. All right. Pause. Let me back up a little bit. So Twitter went public four years ago. Yes. And they're saying that they they might turn a profit this fourth quarter. Yeah. What am I missing? Why is it so hard to turn a profit for Twitter? No. This, so this is oh gosh. This I don't even know. I I wish I would. I was smarter with like street lingo. I would start making all these street lingo things. But this is what they're like. They're putting. They're painting like whatever the pig. What is that saying that they do? I don't know what you're talking about. Anyhow. What they're doing is that they, all they did was they cut costs like to nothing. They have nobody. That's why they're not growing as a company. They wanted to cut costs so they could show their investors that they can turn a profit. But they they grew by four million people, right? Four million new subscribers in a quarter. That's like just over one percent. And their they revenue fell four percent. And then the stock went up ten percent because uh, people were now expecting that advertisers are going to now advertise more on on. Twitter because they have 330 million users or subscribers, but they only added 4 million. No advertiser. They're not advertising on Twitter now. You adding 4 million subscribers is not going to make advertisers 
continue to or want to now advertise on your platform and your revenue is continuing to go down, which shows you that the only way they're going to get profitability is continuing to cut costs. And ultimately, you're going to cut costs to a point where you're not going to ever have R&D. You're never going to have any growth. Like that company is so dead. A tech company without R&D sounds like a death sentence. So dead. Like it's so stupid that the that the comp- that the stock rose on that and that everybody's like, "Oh, they're coming out, they're profitable. Look at their top line. No more advertisers are going to come. They're not growing user base. They grew users zero. Zero users last quarter. And now they have 4 million, 3 million of those from international, million from uh, from US. That company is dead. So Evan Spiegel cashed out he got hooked up with Miranda Kerr and then he's like, whatever, it's your problem now. Exactly. Basically what happened, right? Right. Basically. It's, it's, I mean, dude, it was a great idea. It was a great company, but it's just not, it didn't catch on. Like, I, I go to Twitter during sporting events, but I can go to Facebook and see the same shit like from people that I, that I, if they, that I want to see it from. Like, it doesn't matter. Okay. So, anyhow, that's my, my two cents on it. Do you like Twitter? I did until you put me in a body bag <laughs> i know Hasem likes twitter he, he's on there but uh have you ever followed a twitter war like when two people are going at it that's pretty interesting i guess okay i guess i mean have you ever seen an advertiser on twitter yeah yeah you, i've never seen an advertiser because i've never on it that's why i never <laughs> seen it. what kind of question is that that's why i never seen it um anyhow that's mine do you have anything on twitter do you like twitter? i like twitter yeah you do like twitter yeah my facebook uh Facebook's pretty dead, I would say. At this your Facebook point. is dead. Mm-hmm. Why is your Facebook dead? Did you have you unsubscribed from it or something? No, no, no I just mean uh, the friends on Facebook mm. and family. It's it's mostly mostly family at this point. Right. I hate to be in your family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see my family anymore. I'm Facebook's done. dead to me. It's just my family. <laughs> Let's move on with the rundown. Okay, moving on to our next article, we have some news out of Saudi Arabia. A bot that once said it would destroy mm. humans has mm. just became the first robot citizen. Told you so. <laughs> this is right and up. And we're dead. Right in your wheel. All right, I picked this article because of course I did, right? <laughs> um, I mean, I, literally, I hate to say this every week, but I told you so, you guys. You're so stupid. But what are we doing it here? It hasn't killed anybody. It says it wants to do good for it everybody. Can- Bullshit. It can. Okay, so they made a robot. That's cool. Whatever. It gained citizenship in Saudi Arabia. Terrifying. Why does it have to look like a person? Why do Why do we try to fool ourselves here? Why can't it just look like a square, like a trash can? Why can't it look like a like a hunk of metal? Why does it have to look like a person? That. I mean, we've all seen this movie. It's going to kill us. I can't wait to find the one person that accidentally falls in love with a robot. But see, the thing is, is that you, I, I was thinking about this because I knew that you were going to love this article. And I knew what you were going to say. It was so easy. It was like a softball, right. even though you sometimes miss softballs. But um, I knew what you were going to say. But it's the same thing. And so I tried to think about like other things that are scary. I mean, whenever you dream of the future, it always seems scary. But I mean, is it really that much scarier than us trust? I mean, we're ultimately going to have these robots and we're going to ultimately trust them. And we're not going to be as scared as them. Is it really that much scarier than you just saying on your phone, hey, can someone pick me up? That nobody, Someone that I've never met before, please pick me up from my house so you now know where I live. And take me to this other point that I don't even know you that okay, I trust that you're going to get me Okay, all right, calm down. Wow, that, that is, is that, a really good point. I mean, I'll give things, you that. That's happen. a really good point. Thank I'm you. not backing down off this robot shit, though. Let me ask you this. What's the upside here of giving a robot citizenship? If it makes your life more valuable in the How? future, you're going to – I don't know yet. But we didn't know that Uber was going to make our life so much more – you know, 
easier and value. It was such a value add to us. The robot, how do you, it may clean your house every second of the day and your house could be spotless. Could babysit your baby, Chloe. Never in a million years. It could take care of George. <laughs> it could take not. George to the vet just in case while you are busy doing something George else. George never let that happen. I'm just saying, it could take George for a walk while you're not able to. Maybe when it's really cold, it takes George for a walk. It makes your life more valuable and you're gonna do it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No? Not gonna happen. Never. Nope. So is Chloe ever gonna get into an Uber or a Lyft? Not while her dad's around. So zero percent. So, okay, so she's gonna have to wait f- until she's like fifty-five to take her first Uber. Sounds about right. Sounds <laughs> really that that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. You saying I'll live to be eighty? Maybe no if chance. you're lucky. If yeah, you're lucky. Right. I'm thinking. If you're lucky. So fine. Maybe 40, 40 years. If I live long enough to cash out my four hundred one k, I'm good. That's all. <laughs> that's that's my goal right now. Hey, everybody has to have goals. That's, that's a good mine. Goal. That's a good goal. Everything after that. Everything after that is a uh, is a win. Icing on the cake. Borrow time. Oh gosh, robots! All right. Well, she that did, did look real, and the scary thing it was is that they're trying to make it more emotional, like where it makes like emotional expressions, which is going to be scary, dude. It's like we want to camouflage it. Like why? What and we then, doing? but then the thing is, is that then you're really controlled by the person behind the robot. The robot doesn't control you. The person behind the robot, because the robot was like, "Well, Dave Hansen, if you want me to kill everybody, then I will." And Dave Hansen was like, "All right, well, kill everybody," and then they'd go and do it. All right, so we got to kill Dave Hansen. <laughs> he didn't even seem like that. Like he, he didn't seem like that nerdy of a guy. But he must be just extremely bright. All right. Well, Anyhow. keep your head in a swivel. If some of us, if if we can find an article that we can show some benefits, like why this might be beneficial to us, I want to hear about it. Well, I mean, I don't think we have it yet. But autonomous cars. Are you gonna let a car just drive you? Would you get an autonomous car? I don't know. Would you? Yeah. Of course. But now I've just given myself, I've just done the same thing I would do with a robot. Like I'm giving my life in the hands of this computer. Okay. All right. Let's get into our recurring segment because I've got one now. You got one now? Yeah. All right. We're getting into the recurring segment, asking for a friend. We're mm-hmm. asking for a friend. Right. Right. All right. Uh, mine's a little bit self uh, for me only. So I'm going to ask the question for me and my team, but you go first. Okay. I've been doing a lot of traveling. I'm about to do more traveling. And you just asked what I get in a self-driving car. When you get on an airplane, do you think about it crashing? And if so, how many times? All the time. Right. Okay. Me too. All the time. And it's not like, like when I go through turbulence, I don't necessarily grab my, like, it doesn't make me nervous. I just like made peace with like, there's a good chance I'm going down here. Well, especially right when you go up and you, you know, when you go up and you have that first little, like, it's like a, like you lose oh, your the stomach. Leveling off? I'm like, I'm yeah. done. Every I time it, so every done. time it levels off, I'm like, so there done. goes engine number one. Yeah. We're done. <laughs> so done. <laughs> engine always, number two. I'm always looking around like, all right, how close is mine to the exit? Like everything. But here's the thing. So the even worse for me, like anxiety is a problem of mine that I've identified. Like I have big time anxiety, uh-huh. which is not a good thing. But uh, I've, I've identified, and I'm analytical as well. So Bad combo. the reason the reason that I'm so scared, like I'm not, I used to never be scared of flying. I'm still not scared of flying. I'll fly all the time. But every time I get on a flight, I'm like, I've flown way too many times, and nothing's ever happened. Like you know, the odds are not in your favor. <laughs> Qantas <laughs> Airlines never crashed. Shout out Rain Man. Qantas. And the airline. more and more I fly, the more and more I get nervous. I have I'm a like, buddy. I have a buddy who's got a theory about turbulence. You know, like, like these airplanes basically fly themselves with all the computers on board. He said that turbulence is when the one pilot's like, "Hey, let me see if I can actually fly this thing," and they turn <laughs> off autopilot. Like, Whoa! And it's like, turn it back on, turn it back on. 
That's his theory, which seemed to make sense to me. I loved it. it makes complete sense. Yeah. It makes complete sense. Are you? I mean, are you scared of flying at all? No, I, I don't mind flying, but I do panic during turbulence. Yeah, I do I'm too. also super anxious. So. And sometimes I like. Not sometimes I, I make sure that the people around me don't notice that I panic. But no, I just no, did I panic. full out like. You know, the you know who the you know who uh, Satan's son is, right, Damien? Okay. In no. theory. Okay. Yeah. So I sat behind him on a flight with our friend Brent. By the way, we were flying from uh, we were flying from Michigan back to Atlanta, and we hit some real serious turbulence in a storm. And this kid in front of us was probably eight years old. I mean, lightning out the window. The planes bobbing and weaving. Like I. I mean, I had changed my underwear probably twelve times in the flight. This kid's cracking up the entire time. I'm like, you are Satan's son. Throw them out right now before this whole thing goes down. I'm done with this kid. That's why I can't sleep during flights anymore. Because like anytime I feel turbulent, I wake up. I'm like, shit. I don't have no control. I have no control. Are you talking about pooping your pants right now? <laughs> Sometimes. He said, Sometimes. I wake up and I'm like, shit. I have no control. They make products for that. Anyway. Right. Anyhow, let me get into my uh, kind of um, selfish question for asking for a friend. So uh, this is just to you specifically, given we're doing some research for it. Um, how do you and Emily stick to a budget? Hmm. How do we stick to a budget? Do you guys stick to a budget? Do you have a budget? I mean, yeah, we constantly look at what we're spending. And do you so guys like set out like how much you can spend in each category? Oh not? yeah, for sure. And we and we revise it every month to make sure like oh, here's where we're going over, here's where we're under. So there's no the, there's no penalties for missing it or going over or anything. But who does the analysis? Like, is it like a, a dinner once a month that you guys sit down and you guys like analyze? So I it? do I do the anxiety part where I'm like, oh, what are we doing here? <laughs> and then she'll send me an email with the actual numbers broken down. Oh wow. wow! Yeah. So she just goes into all of your bank accounts and credit cards, and yeah, we're pretty much on up. the same page though with that. Like we, our goals are, we we agree on all of our goals. Yeah. No. We. How many categories? I mean, do you have a lot of categories that you attribute money to, or do you try to make it as simple as possible? Well, Amazon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> category. Then comes our mortgage. Uh, no. Yeah, that's that's it actually. Um, no, <laughs> we've got it. we've got a few categories broken down. Yeah, for sure. Probably. I mean, we probably break down the whole thing into seven categories. Okay. All right. That's good to know. Yeah. That was a little bit of a selfish question for us. Um, I appreciate that. I was yeah. asking for friends from our team. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyhow, that's the episode uh, asking for a friend, the recurring segment. That's not the episode. We still got more coming at you. So let's go back to the rundown. Morgan, what are our last two stories? We're going to be talking about marriage. So we have an article here about a silent marriage killer, but it may not be what you think it is. Absolutely fucking love this article because it's not only just for marriage it's for any relationship in your life mm -hmm. and anything so that true. you do in your life i so mean true. it applies to everything. everything everything so basically the sum of the, the article was saying that um your uh, expectation like they created this equation for what creates frustration in relationships which ultimately make them fail and the equation was expectations minus observation equals frustration so basically the more you expect the more you're going to be frustrated and the more expectation you have. And the funny story was, was like he was telling the guy that wrote the article was talking about how, you know, his expectation is he goes home and he has like a kid and like the kid should be asleep and the food should be on the table and all the dishes should be cleaned. And, and then when he gets home, he really observes like the kids freaking throwing food around and the wife doesn't even have even started dinner and he gets frustrated. And I, I, I'm one of those people that has always been like I, I've always like dreamt up what things are and you can always dream things up a lot better than they actually are in reality. And so then you get to the point of reality and you're like, 
shit, I already lived this whole situation and it wasn't as good as it was and it just causes so much frustration. So like, I love this thing, this article because I've tried to do this better and this gave me an analytical equation that I can use now. So the silent marriage killer is unmet expectations. I think it's a very informative article. Unfortunately, I believe very firmly that you're gonna have to learn this lesson the hard way. This, you can learn, you can, you, can, you can understand it, but I think inevitably you're just going to have to, through your life experience, you're gonna have to come to this realization on your own. Uh, in terms of how, how do you are you saying that you have to come to it via I think you're gonna have to be frustrated enough to realize that something's got to change I don't think it's it's a, you're, because my point is I don't think you can not have expectations that's like you what do you never think about the future I think that's impossible yeah but no it's it's an idea it's an it's better of how do you handle your expectations right like learning and that's something that I become more and more self-aware of is this idea of like managing my expectations. Yeah, you're supposed to dream. You're supposed to have these like ultimate things. But like I go back to, for instance, I've always wanted one of my teams to win a championship, right? Whether an Atlanta sports team, Georgia team, whatever it may be. And I've already dreamt up like how I would react if it happened. And so like when I get there, it's never gonna be as cool. And then I'm gonna be so frustrated. And so I've become self-aware and said, you know what? Just let it be. Like when a time Sports happens, is a perfect example of it, unmet expectations. Always is, though. Yeah. But I mean, it's like a relation. That's still a relationship you have with right. the team. And so, you know, I've, I've tried to do this better in my relationship. And it is something you have to learn. I agree with you. Uh, and as you become more and more self-aware of yourself and you start seeing that, uh, it, it is like a, it's a really refreshing. It makes life a lot easier to handle, for my sense. Right. So assuming you married the right person who has their own ambitions, then you can kind of trust that they're going to figure it out on their own you know I think every like it's very important to have expectations if you're running a business you know because then you've got to uphold a certain standard but with your marriage in particular trust you know that you don't have to have expectations for your spouse and vice versa because if you marry the right person like they're gonna figure it out well I think I, I agree with that and I think though that also within business like you you should have expectations but your expectations are probably always going to if you especially if you own the business right and you started it mm -hmm. your expectations are always going to be higher than everybody else's and so you have to be okay of saying were the expectations that I have so high and were they met maybe they weren't met but your company continued to progress and this is something that I have had to learn throughout the past couple of years is that I was like well if my expectations aren't met then we haven't progressed. And, and that's not the way to go about it because your expectations may not be met in the time period that you wanted it to be met, but it still could be progressing towards the vision and the mission that you wanted. And you ultimately have to still weigh that because if you don't, then you're gonna have, not only are you gonna be frustrated, you're gonna have a frustrated workforce and you're not gonna ever be able to move forward. So you have to be able to, I think you still have to manage it within a business as well. Yeah, I agree. All right, good, thanks. Yep, that, I did my job there. All right, Morgan, what else? What's the one we close out on here? All right, lastly is one of Evan's favorites, a list. We've mm -hmm. got seven things science says predict a divorce. I was so excited this was a list, so excited. The headline was a lot better than the actual article. Article sucked. The article was so obvious, Terrible. wasn't it? Let me sum it up for you. If you're a shitty person, you won't stay married. That's basically <laughs> what it said, right? So some of the things on the list were like, uh, if you get married at an age that you're not ready. Duh. Thank you. Uh, oh, yeah. wait, here we go. Evan's going to read off all seven. No, 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 I won't. I just got two more. Uh, a husband who doesn't work? Like, yeah, that's never worked in the history of marriage. So anyway, it's just, it's such an obvious list. I was going to go through one more, but I don't want to piss Matt off. He's obviously on a deadline here. No, 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 no. We're not on a deadline. But the, I would say that the one that stood out with me was the overly affectionate one, like right after marriage. Like, talk about setting the stage so hard, high for your marriage. Like, oh the ones that are so overly affectionate unmet at the beginning. Unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. Like, so hard to keep that up. I'm, I learned this when I was younger, when I used to go through the dating circle. 
I don't do that anymore. Uh, but when I went through the dating circle, I used to always, the first gift I would always get that girl would be like the best freaking gift I could think of. And I would set the bar so high. What? And then like the next gift, I was like, I don't even know what to get. Like, I'm never going to be able to meet that expectation. And then by that time, the relationship was over. See, it was I, done. It I was still done have that. yet to get Emily a gift. See, See that's doing? a good thing. That's, yeah. a, that's a, you never I haven't gotten her a single thing yet. That's good. Lay the bar, lay the, you know, make the bar really low, right. really low. But that's, I mean, uh, that overly affectionate stuff, like keeping that on pace for 70 years, that becomes really difficult. And that means that like the <laughs> next year, if you're not that affectionate, it's going to be really difficult for you to keep things happy. I had high hopes that article. I love this, but it was terrible. Morgan, do you take anything away from that one? Or the, the, the two marriage ones? Yeah. Getting a different voice in there because these are just two male voices. Yeah, well, I'm also single, so not married. So uh, it's a different voice to throw in there. But I thought they were overly obvious as well, like showing contempt. Probably going to end in divorce. Teen marriage, probably going to end in divorce. Right. It's pretty right. obvious stuff. Having kids too young. All right. Yeah. Dude, I think that we made up for your uh, flu game a little bit there. Do you mind? Do you guys mind, though, if I take a second to go on a soapbox? Please do. For a second? Yep. Uh, and it may make people a little bit uncomfortable, so I don't. I, I apologize in advance. It's a uh, it's a personal story that uh, I wanted to share because I learned a few lessons from it, and I just wanted to kind of pass them on. And maybe it impacts one or two people, and if it impacts one person, then that's worth making everybody feel a little bit uncomfortable about how personal the story was. But so about four and a half weeks ago, uh, Hillary and I we went into the doctor and we actually saw heartbeat of a baby. It was awesome. You know, you saw mm -hmm. you've seen that before, right? Of course. It's probably the most amazing thing in the world to see 150 beats per minute. Uh, it was awesome. That's to be when able it to gets real. That. That's when it gets real, right? And we were looking at the screen, sitting there in the doctor's office, and it was the most amazing thing ever. Um, and the doctor telling you, hey, your due date's X, Y, Z, and you're like, holy shit, my life has changed. Um, the other day, I got probably the worst call I could ever have gotten when I was out in Vegas, and that's why I actually headed home early, was uh, we had our nine-week appointment. And Hillary went in and I got a call of hysteria uh, at about 6.15 in the morning um, during that visit because I couldn't be there. Uh, and we had seen no heartbeat on the baby anymore. And uh, that was kind of a life-changing moment as well. And it, it's, uh, it sucked, it sucked, it was frustration. And so I got on an earlier flight, came home. Uh, and it was more of a mental thing than anything else, but I learned a few lessons during that period of time. Uh, and the first thing before I even go into the three lessons that I learned from uh, that experience um, was I'm not trying to put anything on this to say that's not easy or it was it was a good situation or whatnot. First off, this was the shittiest thing that has gone on within our relationship that we've dealt with, and it's terrible. It's the worst. I never wish it upon my worst enemy because it's just a sad thing, especially how difficult it is to get pregnant to actually lose a baby uh, is no no bueno to anybody out there that's had that happen. I, I feel for you. Uh, so I'm not trying to say that it's okay and that I'm good and I'm denying what actually happened. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that I think that there's a lot of choices that we can make in life and we can uh, either move forward or we can stay wallowing in, in, in the sorrows and, and not move forward. And so uh, that's why I said I think that there's lessons that I could share with people. And the first lesson that I wanted to take away is live in the moment. This is something that I'm terrible at as an individual. But as I look back on this whole scenario, this whole process of the past nine weeks, is that Hillary and I never really lived in the moment, right? We never really took a time to really be excited because we were always skeptical that uh, the baby was actually real. We never really believed it. And so we never really took that moment to celebrate that kind of amazing opportunity in our life. We were always looking forward to the next appointment and we were always worried and anxious about the next thing, about what we were eating or about what, you know, with what types of 
the types of feelings that she was having or whatever it was. And so what I would say to everybody is no matter what happens in your life, live in the moment, whether it's a good day or a bad day or a sad day or a challenging day, enjoy it, accept it and move on. But take time, especially during those good days, to enjoy it. And it's not just because life may end the next day. Not, that's not the thing. The point is, is that you don't know what challenge is going to come up to you the next day. So if you have a really good day, really freaking enjoy that because you don't know if there's going to be a challenge ahead of you. And when that challenge occurs, you're going to have to deal with it head on and you're not going to be able to go back to that day that was amazing and really enjoy that. And so living in the moment is something that I struggle with internally all the time. And I hope that uh, I continue to get better at it. And this moment, or moments like these are ones that make you believe that. And so live in the moment is number one. The second thing is, is don't let life beat you. And so I think that this uh, life is like a really amazing thing, uh, but also it provides a ton of hurdles and tough challenges that make you have two choices to make. You can either say, you know what, life, screw you. I'm going to continue to complain, 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 or I'm going to say, screw you, and I'm just going to move forward. I'm going to take this shit that you throw at me, and instead of just letting you kind of build it up on top of me, I'm going to take a step in it and then continue to move forward. And we all have that choice. And we always, in this world that we live in today, that's so negative and news and you know, always looking at the, the bad headlines as opposed to the good headlines. I think that the easy way out is to take that negativity approach and say, you know what, all of the issues that are happening to me are because of life. And life is throwing all the shit at me. And so that's why I'm negative is because it's so difficult, blah, blah, blah. Or we can go and look and be really appreciative of all the things that we really do have. I mean, for a lot of us, we live in this free country that we have opportunity to do whatever it is that we want, which is amazing. No matter what shit's going on, we have the ability to do that. We all have a shirt on our back and shoes on our feet and sometimes a roof over our head. And we don't spend enough time looking at that positive aspect of it. And if we could have more people be positive, no matter what life throws at you, because what you have to remember is that every single person out there, someone else is going through worse challenges than you're going through yourself. And so if we can have more people that are positive and hopeful, then I think we can be a better uh country as a whole and better individuals and it's a very simple choice you can choose to be negative or you can choose to be positive and it's very hard to be positive because negativity is the easy way out but if we can continue to choose that strong that that positive way and and take that hard route i think we're going to be better that way as well and so uh you know live life and and don't let life take you down continue to push through and step forward and, and move forward and we're going to be better people because of it. and the last thing i would say is a shout out to my wife my wife is like an amazing rock star person and the only way that we got through this is because of her and you don't have to like i, I it, it hurt me but the things that the women goes through in this situation is a, a lot bigger than what a guy can ever go through and so she's an amazing person that stayed strong and continued to have a positive outlook and that positive outlook rubbed off on me and continued to allow me to have a positive outlook and everything is better now and it's you know we'll continue to move forward and our life is going to be great we're going to have an amazing life and we've been given an amazing life which is something we're very thankful for and so uh this is just a little blip in the radar but i hope that uh for everybody that's out there that's so scared to talk about what's going on in their life Sometimes it feels good. Like this just felt good to get it off my chest and allow it to be out there. Um, and yeah, it's a shit situation, but we'll get through it and we'll continue to move forward. And so with that, hopefully everybody this week makes the positive choice and continues to move forward with their life and lives in the moment every single day. And we'll be with you again on another episode. That's Rich next week. <laughs>